Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Today's message, help! I'm not perfect! And that is something that I believe that we all need to look at as far as in our lives today, in what we deal with today, uh, in the area of perfection. We're trying to be perfect. You know, we do this. This is a social media issue. As you notice, I'm keeping my face to the left. So I'm not even doing a lot of turning to the right. You know why? It's a mindset of perfection. I don't want you to see the right side. Why? Because the right side, I had the wrong shaving thing on and I cut this part shorter than the rest. You look, look at it, see? This part right here, I went, uh, and I went, ah! So I thought, oh, okay, I'll just look this way the whole time. Well, you know, I could care less. But anyway, that's how people are. We're too concerned about, take my picture. Don't, don't do it on the right, don't do it on the right. And, and you'll notice that when people are doing their selfies, it's, usually the, same, it's the same look all the time. You know, after all the 30 filters. But the point is, it, it's the concept of, I have to be perfect. I have to be perfect. Those people posted a perfect picture. I have to post a perfect picture. And it's sad, but that's what our society's become. We're trying to one-up or we're trying to stay in that perfect group. And the sad thing is, there's no such thing as perfection or being perfect. And if you try to look at it in any way on this earth, you cannot find perfection. It's impossible. It's impossible. And what we do is, is we've allowed ourselves to believe that you can attain or reach a level of perfection. And it's, it's just not true. It's not true at all. And when we understand that, we recognize, okay, how do we determine perfection? I mean, when you look at it, because I, I don't know about you, but there have been some times when, when Pastor Lyle's thrown down some food and I go, that is perfect. Or you eat something at your favorite restaurant, and you go, that, it was done perfect, cooked to perfection. How many have said that? But there's no such thing. But at the point of your connection to it, you've determined that this is perfect. So what is that really meaning? The other person next to you is going, well, mine sort of sucked. Wait a minute, you just said perfection sucks. See, the true word of perfection would mean everybody would say it's perfect. Not, there wouldn't be able to be one person that dissented. One person that said, nah, it's not. So when we look at that, and I need you to understand this because I want you to live life free. I want you to live life the way God intended us to live and to be able to operate in the life that Jesus came to give us. But what we're doing is we're allowing so many different uh, thoughts and so many different opinions, so many different processes that we look through in the lens of life that affect us from being free. So we get bound up in the conditioning of the system, the world system out there. We, we, instead of being in a position of in charge, we become a position of us being in charge in the sense of someone's in charge of us. And we become conforming to 
what other people's opinions are. And then Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed. Do not be what? Conformed. And y'all know we all can get conformed. And listen, there is not necessarily a negative in every time conform is being used. I mean, there are certain things that you need people to conform to. Certain laws, certain regulations, certain things. You know, you want to, people to conform to dressing in church. You know, you want someone walking in here naked. No, I'm not conforming. You're like, ah, get out of here. Well, do you see what I'm saying? In other words, there are some times when that word can be used in a positive. But most of the time in this day and age, what we're seeing is there's a conforming of to someone's judgment or their opinion. And so we get more of a plastic life, a fake life. People are trying to do what they're doing. And they have to be sure that they're connected with that group or that person. If they're doing this, we need to do this. And that's conforming to a wrong pattern. But it's, it's something that, I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's really bad in how that's happening in many people's lives because they can't be comfortable in their life. They have to be in a position of always having to be like someone else. Years ago, it was called Keeping Up with the Joneses. And you'd want to know, how was Larry Jones so popular? But it is, that's it. Perfection is being entirely from fault or defect. Flawlessness. A quality or condition that cannot be improved, it's absolute, faultless, flawless, immaculate. That would be the definition of perfection. And I can tell you right now, you can't look on this earth and see it, but you can recognize God in it. You can recognize Jesus in it, his word. But when it comes to what this planet we live on, you can't find perfection. You can't find it. Now, we want perfection. We want to see perfection. And do, do we not hear this? If it were a perfect world, if it was a perfect world, everybody would be this. If it was a perfect world, everybody would act this way. And so we have the definitions or opinions of a perfect world. And your perfect world might not necessarily be my perfect world. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Your perfect world could lack no work at all. My perfect world, there would be a lot of work. So we look at this and we're saying, wait a minute, who's, who's this perfect? Well, again, that's all based upon opinions in the area of perfection. I looked at the word perfect, perfection, and the definitions of it. And you know, even in their definitions, they can't entirely follow the term perfect which is interesting to me. They have established or allowed themselves to give leeway for the ability to call something perfect. And, they, and this is interesting because this is what they add. As good as it is possible. Close as possible. That ain't perfect. As good as possible, it means instead of 20 zits, I got one zit. Well, one zit is not perfect. No zits are perfect. Are you hearing me? Pimples, zits. You guys got that right? All right. Or am I talking too close to home? All right, anyway. The point is, is our perfection or our mindset of perfection can rob us. 
And I'm going to show you that in, in some statements on uh, how psycholo psychology views the, uh, the definition and actions of people trying to reach perfection. So we see that when it comes to definition, it's usually tied to what we see or how we feel, our opinions. Like I said, you can say, that dress looks perfect. Those shoes look perfect, right? That truck looks perfect. Can we all do that? Do we all do that? The weather is perfect. Do we not do that? Okay. So again, it's a statement we use a lot, but it doesn't mean the true definition of what perfect is. Now, you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? There's, there's no big deal unless it's affecting your life. Then it's a major deal. And I believe if we use a term that's not defined correctly a lot, we tend to operate in a shady area or a dangerous area. And the tendency is we, we start trying to act or strive to something that we really, really will never become. And I don't know about you, but that is an open door for failure. Open door for anxiety, open door for fear. And again, I don't want us to be that way. I want us free. Jesus said he's come to set us free and we're free through the word of God. So what does the world consider perfect? Well, according to what, what I've seen is this. Molecules, atoms, subatomic particles. Things you can't see. But because each type is identical in perfection, they establish that as something perfect. Now, of course, they're not going to say God, but as far as their view of perfection, that's what they would see. Psychology's view on being perfect. Listen to this. Individuals who seek perfection are acutely sensitive to the judgment of others. I'll read that again. People, individuals who seek perfection, again, you can't, you can't accomplish perfection. But in their mind, in their concept of view, how they see themselves, those judgments or opinions are able to manipulate them into a lifestyle tied to, against someone else's viewpoint, someone else's opinion. And people have been drawn into this stuff so many different times just because of how the media plays out in our lives. You know, different magazines, different, you know, YouTube celebrities start promoting something specifically. We look at ourselves and go, I don't have that. I don't look that way. And all of a sudden we feel a failure. It's like when someone, I, I learned this years ago, but someone comes up to me and they want to talk about health. I don't talk about weight. Never. Now, is being overweight tied to not having a very healthy life? Yeah. But how do you define that? What's the definition of overweight? Now, if you look at some magazines, it's, you know, if you're, if you're not, if, you're, if you don't have the ability to turn sideways and then people can't see you anymore, you're fat. Or how GQ or anybody else wants to place their viewpoint of what health is, and they base it again by a specific look. That doesn't define health. That doesn't define health at all. I know people that are skinny that are dying of, of, dying of lung cancer because they smoke constantly, but they're skinny. Well, then how, how can I say that person's healthy because they're skinny? Do you see what I'm saying? And so we have to be cautious on how we communicate what I believe truths that are necessary for success in life. I want you all healthy. But again, I don't define it by a specific weight. 
So by doing that, I'm determining my opinion or my viewpoint. Do you guys follow me? So when I gain the extra 10 pounds on Thanksgiving, I'm healthy. I don't care if I got 10 extra pounds. That's 10 extra pounds of perfection. All right, moving right along. So they, they, they say this. In fact, these judgments, the judgments of others, are most often imagined. Oh my gosh. Everyone has an opinion. But elevating someone else's opinion to the status of being a judge is really silly. That's what psychology establishes in the area of if you're striving for perfection based upon, again, you're doing it because of the opinions and judgment of other people. And we don't want to live a life like that because you can never attain a place of being comfortable, a place of being, I am satisfied. That doesn't mean we don't strive for better. We're not pushing for better. We're just recognizing, again, there's really no perfection in our life right now in that definition that we're looking at. The pursuit of perfection limits our ability to be present and literally robs us of the vitality of life. It is unachievable, unimaginable, and unattainable. Is that amazing? I don't know about you, but if you got some perfectionists in here, or if you're, you're figuring, I gotta be perfect, I gotta look perfect, just cut the beard wrong and walk out there proud. I mean, strut with that goofy looking beard. Why? Because who cares? Who cares? I'm not living life based on your opinion. I'm not, you might think it's silly that I should join a circus. I'm a clown. Watch it. But the point is, is those things don't bother me. Now, was there a time it did? Certainly there was. Certainly these things bother me. Remember I talk about my, my elementary school days when they used to, you know, my friend, my best friend, one day got mad at me and called me big lips. Just because I had big puffy lips when I was little. My other parts of me didn't, you know, fill in, but Mo's lips, man, were big. And they call him Big Lips. Big Lips McCluskey. Man, that, <laughs> first when I heard that, I wanted to beat him. And we got in a pushing and fight, whatever. But man, the day after that, I was looking at my lips and going, I got big lips, you know. And it bothered me for a while, calling me Big Lips. And I had to go to school sucking it up, not thinking that bothered me, but it bothered me. I'm still talking about it today. That's how it bothered me, you know? Ultimately, we made up and made friends, and, you know, I didn't call him monkey ears anymore, so we're good. He did have monkey ears, though. Big old flaps, like Dumbo, you know, Dumbo ears. But I didn't go that way. I'm much better, much better of a person. I wish I did go that way. But anyway, let's move right along. So perfection is a perception, okay? Perfection is a perception, and you all know that. Everybody has one. Everybody has one. We conform. We want to be what other people feel or think or what they're doing. And when you're not securing yourself, you literally drive yourself toward the opinions of others. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? 
And again, there's nothing wrong with getting, you know, thoughts about something. But if you're doing it to conform to their thoughts, that's an empowerment of them over you. And I'm striving, I mean literally striving to get you to a higher level in life to where this doesn't take place in you. To where you can get up in the morning and you're, look at your unperfect self and feel perfect in here. And that's more important than anything else. Now listen, I, I'll continue the message and I'm not talking about we're not quitting, we're not striving. You know, I, I'm not gonna walk out with pimples on my face. I'm gonna try to deal with the pimples. The reason why I'm talking about pimple, I got one that just won't go away. Makeup's gotta hide that sucker. But all of a sudden, it appeared out of nowhere. I'm not a pimple person. I passed that a long time ago. But that one was like, it, it almost talking to me and stuff. You know, what are you going to do with that? You ain't leaving. You know, thank God for makeup. Women, right? Thank God for makeup. Guys, deal with it. When you're under the lights and camera, you got to have it. Otherwise, you'd have to wear sunglasses. Because I would be shining. I got oily skin. That thing would reflect off me and you'd be going. You couldn't even hear the message. You'd be doing this. So we'd be a church where everybody's wearing sunglasses. I'm not kidding you. I got that oily of skin. All right. How could he say that? I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Feeling perfect, but I'm not perfect. All right. So here we have this picture that says, I need to be bigger than this. I, I need to be better than what the world is trying to do. And remember, the Bible scripturally says, it says this. Do not conform to what? To the world, the, the evil, to the negative. Don't conform to it. And it's so important to not get caught up in these people's lives that in reality are not true. They're living a fake life. It's like an actor, you know, you see in a specific movie that you love and you're going, yeah, but then you see them outside of that and you're going, that ain't the same person. That ain't Thor. You know, and you start seeing imperfection. You start seeing things that you look at their life and say, that ain't my morals. That is the way I, so we do, we fantasize about that person being this person, but all reality they're not that person. It's the same way with social media, YouTube, you know, and, and Instagram and Facebook and all those things out there. You know, I, I, I'm not looking at that as that's like the, the, the demon's, you know, city. But what I'm saying is, is don't allow anything, anything to influence you. We can take all that away. And I can tell you right now, you'll go to um, novellas. You go to soap operas, and you're doing the same exact thing. So every time period has these dramas that everybody's trying to be like. And, and I'm just saying, it, it's so simple today to get caught up in this stuff. So we want to be us, but we want to strive to be better, right? Is that okay? Y'all good with that? Okay. So if we can't be perfect in the sense of the definition of perfection, then why is this in here? Matthew 5, 48. Jesus commands, therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven 
is perfect. What? He says, I want you perfect like the Father's perfect. And now you're thinking, well, pastor, you just screwed up because everything you just said doesn't work now. No, we have to pay attention to why he's saying what he's saying and then process through his word, what is he saying? Because he is making that comment after 1,500 plus years of impossibility of being perfect. 1,500 plus years of the law where from the beginning of Adam and his fall on, we've never seen perfection, never. It's been nothing but a mess. And now Jesus is on the scene going, hey, y'all be perfect. Well, if we could have did that, we could have did it before you came, right? Because God gave all these rules and regulations, and if we can be perfect, we could have perfectly followed them, but we didn't, or they didn't. And now Jesus says this, be perfect. Well, we can't be perfect. Why are you saying that, Jesus? And this is something that the dilemma or the scripture where if you're not truly understanding why he's saying it, how he's saying it, you can just read it and go, see, pastor, we got to be perfect because you just read it. And I try to teach, especially in my school, I teach how you don't define through a scripture. You define through context and the whole world, whole word. You can't define a scripture by just the scripture. You have to read the context of everything, and then you have to tie it to the context of the rest of scripture. So it's just not so simple as reading something and going, see, it says that. It says that. I mean, I can tell you, I can, I can easily go like this. Women, be silent in church. One scripture. So ladies, keep your mouth shut. Hey, did you laugh? But it says that. And a lot of religious men, men that want to control, have used that scripture. There's a lot of churches that have used that scripture. But that scripture doesn't mean the way you read it. There's more context to it. There's more information to it. But people have literally, churches, denominations, have established laws and regulations on that scripture. Isn't that interesting? And so what you do is you find people, because they've been trained incorrectly, have issue with women talking. Now, we all know women like to talk. No doubt about that. Amen? And if you're married, I, I, I get it. You're scared. But the point is, no, single guys are going, yeah, you can't shut them up. The, the married guy's like going, he said it. I didn't say it. Oh, man, get bold, man. You're in, you know the truth. The truth is the truth. But that doesn't make it wrong. doesn't make it bad. It's true. That's right. It's just true. Remember in the, the fall, Eve's sitting there having conversation with the devil. We don't hear one conversation, Adam. All we hear is... That's all we hear. The dude doesn't even talk. He doesn't do anything. She's like going, here, honey, you want some of that? And he's like going... Not, no, this is wrong. Why would you do that? I don't know. The weather's not good for this stuff. He didn't say a word. And from that day point, from that point on, the fall. 
So when we look at these truths, we have to understand there's more to it than just this. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has, now listen to this, this is very powerful. Also, he has put eternity in our hearts. Isn't that interesting? He has put eternity in our hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God has done from the beginning to the end. He's saying, perfection has been placed in your heart, but when you look for it, you can't find it. You can't see it. It's not something you, know, you can grab hold of. This is the answer to the question. Then why are we doing this? Why, why, why do we want to be better? Why are we trying to do better? Because ultimately, it's in our DNA. Eternity is perfection. And in our DNA, what God placed in us, he placed in this drive or this desire to attain better. Attain better. But there's this, been this, this, this warfare going on between our flesh and our spirit that's constant battle that's striving to win over our lives. In the Old Testament, they were just based upon the, the battle of their flesh and their will to want to do good in obedience to God's word, but they didn't have the empowerment to fulfill that. So they weren't able to sustain it. And we would see people doing good, then they fall. People doing good, then they fall. People, people, doing, people doing bad and doing worse. And it went constantly for thousands of years, all right? And so now we're in this position where Jesus is saying, be perfect as your father's perfect. We read the scripture that eternity or this, this drive for perfections in us, but it's not necessarily a drive for something that we can attain through our opinion, our feeling. We, if it's based upon that, we lose. We lose every time. You know, for years, for years, they said, Human race, the humans, people, can never, ever, ever run a sub-four-minute mile. They said it's impossible. It can never happen. And then what happens? Roger Bannister, he beats the four-minute mile. So he broke an impossibility. For years, years and years and years, they said it is impossible. It is humanly impossible for a person to run a sub 10 second, 100 meters. It, you can't do it. Your body cannot do that. Well, it was done in 64. Bob Hayes did it in 64. He ran a 9.99. Well, see, the impossibility was an impossibility until someone continued to press and to press and to push and to push they're conditioning to the level where they are able to break an impossibility that everybody said can't be done. It can't be done. You know, in August, in a race, just in August of this year, eight out of nine runners in a meet, a 100-yard dash, ran a sub-10-second 10 second 100. Is that amazing? <laughs> the one that was last ran a 10.1 or two. That used to be the fastest time in the world. 
And now, if you're not under 10, you're not even third, fourth, or fifth. Is that crazy? That's amazing to me. But again, it's showing us that when we stop and say through our opinion, our, our understanding, we create a lower level perfection and say, this is all you can attain. I look at life a different way. I look at life through common sense. Common sense gives me the ability to continue to press and continue to be successful. When you look at life correctly, you're not judging yourself in this final concept. You're recognizing that there are going to be things down the line, things in your life that are going to affect what you used to be able to do, but that doesn't make you substandard. It doesn't make you a failure. It doesn't make you weak. It's how you live your life today determines your success. And what we do is we don't live in our past, we live today. I don't even live in my future, I live today. I know my future doesn't change unless I'm making change here, right? I have to make change here. My body is created that way. My body cannot grow, it cannot improve unless change is happening today. Now, of course, there are rest periods. There are times like just, the, just last week where I, I did something purposely because I thought, you know what, my calves need a little more work. And so I pressed them a little bit more and had to pay for it for three days, walking around like this, whining and crying like a little tiny baby. That's love my calves, <laughs> rub my calves, fix my calves. But I had to pay for it. But see, I, I looked at something, I said, you got to work more. You got to work more. Now, I overdid it. I won't do that again. That was painful. And I learned a lesson that you, you know, you got you to gotta watch yourself how you're doing this. Don't get all crazy. You know, don't try to get Popeye's arms on your calf. But what I've understood about myself is this. Success is tied to understanding myself about this. That's where success lies. Success doesn't lie on a fad diet. Success lies on my understanding of my body. That fad diet might work for you, but it might not work for me at all. In other words, I have to determine what is working for me physically. What works? There are certain things that I can, certain things I cannot eat that will affect me in a negative. But again, I have to know me. I need you to know you, not you based upon an opinion of someone else, not you based upon someone else's judgment. We don't want that. We want you, you. You're one of one. You're special. Amen? You're one of one. You're unique. You follow me. You're one of one. If you aren't getting up in the morning, like I asked you and saying, I'm one of one, looking yourself in the mirror going, I'm one of one. Now you can look at yourself in the mirror with the understanding that there's nothing perfect out there. And by the end of the service, you're going to go crazy because I'm going to share something so powerful. When you look at one of one, you're going to see yourself in a whole different light. Amen. Whole different light. Psalms 119.96 says this. To all perfection, I see a limit. To all perfection, I see a limit. The psalmist said, I'm looking for it. I can't find it. 
He says this, though, but your commands are boundless. They're perfect. He says, I look for perfection. I can't find it. But when it comes to your word, God, man, it's perfect. It's perfect. Now, you have someone that's imperfect looking at something that's perfect. And he's recognizing this is beyond what I can see in the natural. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. The New Living Translation says it this way. Even perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limit. The Message Bible. I see the limits to everything human, but the horizons can't contain your commands. Isn't that awesome? So God's word is showing us that no matter where you look, you can't find what we define or, or how it's defined perfect. But we can look to God and see perfect in him. Please understand this because this is a deep theology that must be understood. That God is perfect in everything he does. In all his ways. He was and is and always will be perfect his plan for our salvation is a perfect plan. You can't have a better plan. Why? Because everything God does is perfect. Do you understand this? We're not. Us operating in it, we can screw it all up, but his plan is perfect. Y'all got that? All right. God's perfect. That means God's perfect love can't be better toward you. It's a perfect love. God loves you. That's perfect love loving you. An imperfect person. How do we determine value? Isn't that how we determine value? By what someone would pay? Someone would put as, as an exchange for your life? That's how you determine value, right? So when I see myself, and it hasn't been always the case in my journey, you know, following Jesus, but it has been for quite a few years now. And that is when I see me and when I look at me, I see myself as very valuable, very valuable. I see myself wanted by God. I see myself enjoyed by God. And I'm not perfect, and I make mistakes, but I know perfect God sees me differently than I see myself, and that's what I rely on. See, he's perfect. I'm not, and if he says something about me, that's perfection toward me. What is perfect? It's, it can't be changed. There, there's, no, there, there's no deviation from it. There's, there's no weakness in, in it. Weakness in it, it's perfect. And that's how I've learned to see God's word in my life. And I have to override how I feel. Every person that's come to love life over the years, all the years, you know, again, 25 years, have had their lives changed because of the information they're receiving. That's it. They're, they're hearing something different than they've heard in their past, whatever, heard in other churches, whatever the case may be, growing up, they've heard something different. I'm going to tell you what you're hearing. You're hearing the truth about who you are. And it is going to make an impact because the world plays dirty. 
People play dirty. Everything about the system plays dirty. But God speaks truth. And when you can grasp hold that, you can understand that, it will change your life. I, listen, you can be the most you know, insecure person and just so it's quiet and all by yourself and everything else. You keep hearing this, you won't be that anymore. I'm telling you right now, I've seen it. I can point fingers at people. They don't want me to point because they're still a little, ah. But the point is, is they're not the same. I'm telling you right now, they're not the same. Boldness has risen in their hearts. How come? Because this truth that they've received is making an impact the way you have always supposed to been. That's the truth. You're not fake. You're not faking it. It's who you really are. You couldn't find out that truth because what you are raised in, the pains, the problems, the families, all the different things that you've been brought up in has established who you think you are, but it's not the true, true you. You guys understand me? It isn't the true you. It's what you've become based upon the training you received. Some of you are really messed up, but in fact of who you are. Why? Because I've got to go to perfection. I got to go to this perfect word from a perfect God that's speaking down to an imperfect humanity. He's the creator, so his word matters. Only a creator can establish purpose. You understand this? You work it outside of purpose, it don't work right. It doesn't work right. I mean, you might be able to force it, I've taken all I've taken crescent wrenches and used them as hammers, you know, because too, too lazy to get up and go get the hammer. You take that, and something's going to happen. You're going to, something always happens when you do stuff like that. Been there, done that. But the thing is, is when you operate in the created thing, in what it was created, that perfection makes life less difficult. Everything works smoothly. Amen. So Psalms 12, 6 says this. This is God's word. And the words of the Lord are flawless. The words of the Lord are flawless. Perfect. Like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. That is an amazing scripture because when you, when you study what, how they used to refine silver back then, you would see that they, they, they'd have the vessel, they had this, this, this big uh, pot that they would take silver and they would put lead in it. And they would put it under high, high intense heat. And to be able to purify that silver, the impurities in the silver would have to burn off, but it had to, it had to connect with the lead to be able to be removed from the heat. So what they would do is they do that, pull it out, add more, do it, pull it. Seven times is the number for perfection. And what God's saying is, is that he takes silver and he purifies it and he refines it and takes all the impurities out. And when silver is perfect with no impurities, it becomes completely still, no movement at all that interesting? When all impurities are taking out, 
of the silver, it becomes at the calmest that calm can be. Isn't that interesting? And this is what God says about what? His word. His word is that pure. No impurities. And I believe that word getting in you, that pure word of God, will bring that stability and calmness to your lives. I know because it has mine. I know it has because of Pastor Lau's life. My kids and, and all kinds of other love life family members that have received the word of God. You've seen it in their lives. Now, does that mean every area of their life is perfect? Heck no, not at all. But what do we need? We need more of that pure word in it because our lives isn't bundled in one. Our lives are lived in many. I have pluses and I have minuses, just like you do. You have pluses and minuses. Amen? That's why we need one another. I'm not, I'm not where you're at. I need your plus to help me. You need my plus to help you. That's the key. We're better together. Amen? Isn't that true? Amen. Romans 7.21 says this. I find this lot work in me when I want to do good. Evil is right there with me. This is Paul talking. He goes, I can't shake it. I want to do good, but man, I keep screwing up. He goes, what an evil man I am. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? That's what Paul says. Who's going to help me? I can't get away from sin. So perfection is out of the question in our lives because sin is present. This nature, this, this old past that that keeps pulling and tugging on my life. And what happens, Paul recognizes it. He sees it and he says, I can't, I'll, I'll never attain perfection. There's no way. Too many things complicating it. And we can look at our lives and do the same thing. And we can lose hope or we can lose the, the attitude or even the drive to become better. Why does it matter? I can't attain perfection. That's the problem. Nowhere is God trying to get you to, you, attain something that's impossible. He's not doing that. That's misreading and lack of understanding of what God's trying to do in our lives today. Based upon all the scriptures that can be found concerning our walk here on earth. It's not tied to never making a fault, never doing anything wrong. It's not tied to that at all. None. Zero, zilch, nada, nothing. Are you guys hearing me? That's the key. That's the key. Romans 5.17 says this. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace in his gift of righteousness for all who received it will live triumph over sin and death through this man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Rules instead give us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Adam brought sin and condemnation to all, one man's disobedience, 
by one man's obedience, Jesus brought righteousness. See, we're, if you read correctly, you understand the nature of sin is in every human being. You're born on this earth. You're born from the beginning on through. You understand that? It's a nature. It cannot change because Adam and Eve were the first. It continues on. Sin nature continues on. It's a nature, nature issue. But then God says that Jesus did something different. What he did, what he did and paid the price, it's now a righteousness issue. But what we're not seeing is what he said. He said, righteousness has been given to all. You're like, well, then everybody, no. This is a spiritual connection that has to be what is written in scripture. You must be born again. Not climbing your mother's womb and be rebirthed, which that's what the weirdos were saying in the Old Testament, I mean, in, in, during the time of Jesus, but being born again in the spirit. You're born again. That born again process places you in the position of God's righteousness. See, Adam fell thousands of years ago, and that nature affects me. Jesus died thousands of years ago, and that nature affects me. Isn't that interesting? So that's what we see. So let's look at Paul, because he's going to deal with the word, this perfection in, uh, in Philippians chapter 3. He's going to deal with this issue, because again, he, he understands this, this, this dilemma. He's seeing in his life where you're like going, every time I try to do good, it doesn't work. I mean, I want to do good, but I don't do it. And he's dealing with this like, God, what do I do? What do I do? It's so awesome in the writings because it really brings the picture out of the warfare that takes place in his life. Now, he doesn't end up with, well, we're screwed. All right, see you guys. He doesn't do that. He ends up with the answer to the problem, the dilemma. But in Philippians, we're going to look at three key understandings to help us understand the area of perfection, all right? Philippians 3.12, Philippians 3.12, it says this. Not that I've already attained all this or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, I haven't already been made perfect. I haven't obtained perfection. So number one is, is it's impossible here on earth to obtain perfection. Impossible. Then why is, he, why, why is the Bible, we assume, saying we have to be perfect? Because it never said we have to be perfect. In the sense of we doing perfect. See, this is why Jesus had to come. He's perfect. We receive his perfection, and now we are made perfect in him. But on the natural, in this outward action of life, we're not perfect. But what God sees is perfection. So he communicates in that light because he sees us through Jesus. We see ourselves through today. But mainly 
because of yesterday. And so yesterday plays heavily on our today. God doesn't look at our yesterday. Thank God for that, amen? He doesn't look on our yesterday. Yesterday's not here. Yesterday's gone. We do. We relive yesterday here, which will always create another yesterday happening, even though we don't want it. Paul says, I haven't obtained it, and I'm not perfect, but I'm pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took me. He's, I, I'm looking for something different than what I used to look for. I can't attain perfection in my definition or other people's definition, but what I can do is I'm pressing toward what, what did, how did Jesus grab hold of me? What, what, what did he do? What did he connect with me with? That's what I want. That's, that's the experience. That's a feeling I want. I want to grab hold of what he grabbed hold. What did he grab hold of you with? His love. His perfect love. Doesn't perfect love cast out all fear? Do you not want to live a fearless life? I do. You might be thinking, well, you know, I, I can deal with fear. No, you don't want any fear. None whatsoever. You want to live a fearless life. Perfect love can cast out that anxiety, that fear, that worry, that doubt. That's what I strive for. And all the knowledge I have, all the information I have, I still got to deal with fear. It's not like it doesn't come anymore. Fear's like going up, oh, let's pass his door. He's got victory over it. No, it, it, see, like I said, fear in some areas, devil ain't got a chance. The world ain't got a chance. Fear in other areas, there might be a foothold. There might be an open door. Are you guys hearing me? And listen, I'm not, your pastor speaks truth in the sense of, I'm not perfect. Now, I know there's other pastors up there. They talk, they act like they, they, they don't have fear. They don't have this. They're like superhuman beings. They're liars, straight out. They're just lying. They're trying to present themselves. That's not a true presentation. It's fake. There's too many people out there like that. You can never be successful or create success living a fake life. It, it just doesn't work. We need to be real with one another, amen, right? But we also need to continue to strive. Pressing, Paul says, but I'm pressing, all right? This, in verse 13, he says this. I do not consider myself to yet have taken hold of it. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What, what does that mean? He sees, first of all, he can't be perfect, but he sees something that he can get hold of. Are you guys following me? So this is, the word consider is logizomai. Logizomai is where we get our logo, uh, where we get our word logic, all right? In that word, it literally is an accounting term as well, which means there's an accounting process that takes place. And we all do this when we want to be successful in information. We look at something, 
And then we go through a process of accounting. The accounting is where, you know, uh, looking at the information and building it together, making sure everything is working together, right? So it's not just like you're hearing something, you're looking specifically at the information you're getting and you're making account of the information. So that's what he says. He goes, I'm not just looking, glancing over this. He goes, I'm considering this. I'm paying close attention to what I'm hearing in my spirit. I'm paying close attention to the information right now. He goes, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it. So he goes, listen, I've accounted. I've looked at this and, and it hasn't happened. Number two, impossible, all right? It's impossible to be perfect. Impossible, number two, doesn't mean quit. You guys hear this? So see, when I look and go, it's impossible for me to be perfect, the concept is, is I might as well give up. Why try? If we can't be perfect, why even, we just, all right, we lost. But that's what Paul was saying. He's saying, listen, you're not going to get perfection because you can't attain it here on earth. But what you need to do is keep pressing into the perfect one. And when you're pressing into the perfect one, you're living life according to how he designed it. Which the more closer you get in line with that, the more perfect life becomes. Remember, perfect through our understanding is what? What can I do correctly today? I determine perfect in that sense, not in perfection by definition, but in perfect in the sense of connecting together, doing what's right, what's correct. It's not flawless, but it's correct. So I go through life understanding what I need to do for a correct life, a life where what? I don't quit. I'm not going to quit. He goes, Verse 13, 14, but one thing I do, Paul says, I forget what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead, and I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now notice what he says. He goes to the place, of, this ain't about being perfect. This is about pressing and striving to that perfect one. What did we read in the very beginning? that has grabbed hold of me. I want what grabbed hold of me with. I want that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be connected to that. So I'm striving for that which Jesus, what did Jesus grab hold of Paul with? Love. Love. Yeah. Love. Salvation. Deliverance. Being set free. Healed. Prosperous. You go through the whole covenant. This is what it's talking about. Everything about what I'm saying, his love is not a one-dimensional word. It's gigantic. Gigantic. And this is what God wants you to understand. When he's talking about this love, it's life. For God so loved the world that he, there's action involved in it. When he loves you, he's not quitting on you. He's not giving up on you. God says, I'm, in, I'm with you to the end. I'm going to make sure what I started, I'll accomplish. 
You know, people think, well, my life is screwed up. Listen, God's attitude is let's keep moving. Let's keep going. God will keep working you. You have to drag your feet. You have to throw a fit. You have to quit and go, I'm going to run. I'm not doing it no more. That's on you, but that's not God. That's not God at all. I don't know any miserable Christian. I mean, any Christian that received Jesus, that's not miserable. Well, why would they be miserable? They got, they threw a fit, ran away, and they're all good. Everything should be good. No, they're never good. Never. They're miserable. You'll never see one. Anybody that's received Jesus and ran away, hey, I understand it. Religion sucks. Religion hurts. And all of a sudden, people tie their walk with Jesus to the acts of people. And they just get all freaky over it. Well, God must be this because that person. No, that person's an idiot, not God. You're throwing a fit over them. You shouldn't be throwing a fit at him. He didn't do that. They made that choice. And you made the choice of their choices. We get just as guilty by our decisions we make. But God's saying, I'm not quitting on you. God's never going to quit on you. Never. I don't care where you're at. God will never quit on you. He's not going to. Paul says, I press toward the goal. I'm pressing, I'm pressing, I'm pressing. Our lives should be living at the highest level. And that means we don't stop, we don't quit. If we want something better, we've got to press. If you're going to, if, if, if you're just going to float in life, you're just existing. And that's it. And everybody here on planet Earth can exist, and most people are just existing in life. It's your responsibility to live life and to live life large. Why? Because my God is big. And when I enter his kingdom, it's a big kingdom. And now it's my responsibility to share, to show what Jesus grabbed hold of me with to other people. It's my responsibility. Live large for the cause of Christ. Not the cause of religion. Not the cause of legalism, do's and don'ts. Nope. Live large for the cause of Christ. And what is this cause? Love. 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 Amen. We got to strive to be the best we can be. Never quit. Keep pressing in. The word press and straining, those Greek words are tied to uh, in the games, Olympic games that they had during that time. It would be that runner, that person running, and how they would strain their bodies and press and lean forward to win a race. And that's the picture. Or Another analogy would be a hunter chasing after his prey. He's aggressive, he's got a focus, he's got a purpose, and he's going at their, the prey to get it. It's the same Greek word. So what God's saying is this isn't living a, 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 just a, a calm, complacent life. It's a life that gets up and says, this is my day, I'm going to own it. This is my day. I'm one of one. I'm unique. And in that uniqueness, I'm going to make sure this day counts. Define it not by amount. Define it as something. You're doing something. Something better. Something different. Something that's going to help you become better at whatever it is you need help at. Amen?
Are you guys with me on this? Galatians 2.20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. See, we're thinking, if my life's about perfection, then it, it can't be about me because according to Scripture, I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. So see, it's not about me living my life. It's about Christ living in me. Now, don't get freaky on this. Like, okay, we come wacko and we got to all become missionaries to Africa. No, he's saying that when you understand this whole concept of being born again, there's a higher purpose than you. Christ living in you is, is a life understanding more than just, you know, the ABCs of going to church. Did not Jesus say, I've come to give life and life more abundantly? Well, what's Christ living in you? It should be filled with its purpose, right? Right? That means the best. The best what? You fill in the blank. The best relationships, the best marriages, the best parents, the best kids, the best everything. You start tying it to what Jesus would want for your life. Remember, everything you're about your life is not tied for your, your need. It's for your seed, the ability for other people to be impacted by what's happening in your life. That's what it's for. All right. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, gave himself for me, Galatians 3.11 says this, the just shall live by faith. Now, if he's saying this is about the life of faith, then what's Hebrews 11.1 1 say? Well, faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, which is confidently expected. So my life should be with confident expectation. What is confident expectation? It's the desire or process of thought of expecting something better, expecting something happening that'll benefit your life, the goodness of God happening in your life. That is living the life of faith. Not, I live the life of faith. Look how you can praise the Lord. I'm living the life of faith. Listen, how I talk to you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, brother. Glory to God. Is Jesus loving you today? He's loving me. That's zero, zero to do with living life of faith. Living life of faith is being a person of integrity. Oh my gosh, really, Pastor? Come on. It's having character. That's living the life of faith. Everything we tie faith to is about impacting and influencing others to the goodness of God. Everything about this. And number three, success is guaranteed. We're not going to be perfect here on earth, but because we can't be perfect, we can't look at impossible and quit. So Paul says, I keep pressing. But he also says in verse 12, I press hold to take on. I press hold to, to get hold of what Jesus grabbed hold of me. Success is guaranteed because, all right, you ever see um, Free Solo? 
You ever seen that? It's a National Geographic movie or biography of a guy that climbs El Capitan in Yosemite with no ropes, nothing, just chalk, special shoes, and he climbs a mountain that's, it's scary. It's so scary. It's amazing what happens. If you watch this, the whole time you're going to be like, it's going to take you like four days to get over what you just saw. It's just like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I had to walk out of my truck and try to go like this. I was so scared. The point is, is this guy literally free climbs this mountain that it, it's like an impossible thing to do. People have died off it. And he does it. But it was his will and his ability. And what God wants you to see is that this faith, this walk, isn't about your ability to put enough chalk in your hands and have the right shoes, right conditioning, and you'll be able to climb this mountain. Because that's our human ability to press. But in the kingdom of God, Paul already said, Jesus has already grabbed hold of me. So you might be climbing a mountain thinking it's all you, but when it comes down to it, you're climbing with Jesus like a rope on you. You ain't alone. He's got hold of you. An analogy that I see is when, when my kids were babies, I don't know if you did this, but I'd just bring them up real close to my face and kiss them, you know? And then I'd, then I'd grab them and I'd loosen them a little bit. And the only reason why I'd loose them is to really freak them out. No, that ain't why. Because they grab hold tighter, you know? And just to feel them grabbing hold of me tighter. I just love that feeling. So I'd loosen up, loosen up, you know, and they'd, they'd grab hold tighter, grab hold tighter. Just all kinds of wacko things they used to do. It's just, I didn't, you know, hang them over the stage and go, yeah, let's do that. Come on, watch it. But my attitude was that I just loved the closest and the grabbing hold of me and, and just like they get up on me and grab hold tight. And I thought about that and I thought, you know what? Jesus ain't freaking me out. He's not going like this. He's holding tight the whole time. I think about when Peter started to drown, the Bible says that he grabbed hold of him. Never says he let go of him one time. He grabs hold of him and they get in the boat. And I think about these scriptures and I realize, you know what? No matter how I feel climbing that mountain, I'm not alone. It's not a free solo. Jesus has grabbed hold of me just as he's grabbed hold of you. And all I'm asking is, is that you start recognizing that this ain't about conforming to someone else's opinion or feeling, their judgment upon you. This is about God and what he says about you. This is about his perfect love when it comes to you. Because ultimately, think about it. Perfect love has no flaws. And that perfect love came to you. So ultimately, you're perfect to him. Start recognizing it. You don't have to run to something who you already are. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And as we see 
in the scripture and just the, this time together, we recognize that our lives can be so overwhelmed by this world and the enemy and just stuff that we lose sight of the simplicity that's in Jesus. To understand that this life shouldn't be filled with turmoil and frustration, anxiety and fear, but it should be a life lived in fear. But again, it's tied to the knowledge we have. So we're transforming ourselves by the knowledge. The information we're getting is changing us. And so, Father, we thank you for this information. We thank you for the love that you have truly shown us, this perfect love, by giving us Jesus. And for those maybe in here this, this morning, those out there in the live stream, maybe you've never received Jesus. Well, here's your opportunity. Call in his name, and he's going to grab hold of you. And then you, as well as us, can run this race, reaching and pressing toward his goodness his life, and all the things that he has for us. Recognize that no matter what, he's with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So pray this with me and connect with the Lord Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the son of God. And I ask you to come into my life. I open up my life to you, Jesus, and say, please come on in. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for answering my prayer. For the words I have spoken have come to pass. You are my Lord and Savior. Amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer in here for the very first time, if you can raise your hand, we have a specific thing I wrote specifically for you to help you in your new decision. If you prayed it out there in the live stream, connect with us. I'll send it to you. If you send us your address, I'll send it straight to you and you'll never get anything else from that. So you're not going to get any begging for money letters. But anyway, love you guys. Have a great day and you're one of one. Do this. All right. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.